0: Hello, 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 fellow travellers. Welcome back to the Pilati Presents South Africa podcast, which is a podcast that follows my tour of South Africa as a local, and it particularly focuses on cultural heritage tourism in South Africa. I am so excited about the second episode of the podcast, because in today's podcast, we are focusing on the Mapungwe, UNESCO World Heritage Site. I'm so excited about this um, uh, site because, uh, you know, I thought about it, I thought like what would be the, uh, the first destination that I would talk about in this um, podcast following the first episode where I had introduced what the podcast would be about. And Mapungubwe was just that one at the top of my mind, and reason being because Mapungubwe had such an an uh, a significant impact on on me and my <laughs> my identity. <sighs> I believe that that of visiting that destination is what really catapulted me into this journey that I'm in, in being interested in my African heritage, my ancient African heritage, and trying to understand where I come from, where my people um, come from, who my people come from, and what were those people like? What the what were, what were those civilizations like, right? So, um, to put it all into perspective, let's just go into talking about Mapungubwe, what it is, and why it had such a significant impact on me. All right, so Mapungubwe is a South African national park, and it is also a UNESCO World Heritage Site. It is one of eight in South Africa, and it is located in the Vimba region of. Limpopo province. It is approximately 85 kilometers away from Musina which is the last South African town before the Bay Bridge border gate into Zimbabwe and Mapungube is a cultural site that shows evidence of a civilization that has disappeared. It is evidence of an ancient African civilization so, in addition to being a cultural site, you could say that it's um, it's a natural site because not only do you get to learn about this, the, the culture that Mapungwe archives, but you also get to be able to go on a, on, on, a, on a drive through the park and see the wildlife that exists there. So, um whoa how do where do i begin this how do i even start to talk about mafunguwe ah it is so enormous <laughs> so let's start with how did it come about so um how how did it come about to be such a precious um site not only for for south africans you know for the government of south africa hence it being a south african national par- park but also a site that is very precious to the rest of the world which is which is made um evident by it being a world heritage site right so um before mapum gube became what it is today, this um, this admiration of the world, it was filled first a farm. Um, it was a farm called Vault Farm, so it was an Afrikaans farm, or a farm owned by Afrikaners. And on the last day of 1932, a farmer with his son and three f- friends um climbed climbed up the steep hill of Mapungubwe and the reason why they climbed up this hill it is because the local africans in that area held this hill in 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 awe like they were awe in it they they would talk about how their ancestors are up there or how their their gods are up there right which should make sense because in african culture when when a person passes on and moves on into the afterlife they are considered to be one of the gods they badimo which means the gods right so it makes a lot of sense so these 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 farmers um, this farmer and his friends and his son when they got to the top of the hill they discovered evidence of human burials along with other remains that included remains of dry stone walls iron tools fragments of pottery and intact pots half buried in the sand they also found fragments of beaten gold copper wire and bangles and glass beads and Eleven human burials were excavated at the top of this hill, and within those graves, they found golden objects. Right, which now, which is what Mapungubwe is now for, famous for these these golden objects, which include the a bow, a small rhinoceros, uh, the most famous one. I think if you were, if you were to Google. Mapungube, and you went to Google Images. I think that is one of the first few images that you'd see: the image of the golden rhino, which is made out of a thin sheet of um gold. Along with 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 these objects, they also found lengths of gold wire, therefore wire that has been made out of gold, and um hundreds of small ornamental beads. And it is believed that these glass beads, these ornamental glass beads, were obtained from trade with the East Coast, which would be on the uh, Indian Ocean side <laughs> of the continent. Um, and therefore, it shows that Mapungube was a civilization that traded with um, nations either on the coast, which would be like Mozambique. Mozambique is usually a nation close to where Mapungubwe is, that is on the coast, on the eastern coast of 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 Africa. Or it would also imply that they that they traded with nations beyond the Indian Oceans, which would be nations in Asia or um Australia the aboriginal people um but ornamental beads are usually associated with asia so it shows that there was some kind of interaction either to Asians or or interaction with Asians or exposure to asian culture whether it was through a third party or directly so um this reporting was so significant it was so major that it went on to go be reported at the university of pretoria that is what it's now called i think at the time it was called the university of the transvaal <laughs> i don't know that it was the university that is in pretoria right and so when it was reported at the Pretoria University, uh, it, the university went to the farm in Mead and went to go investigate what is this finding. They did an archaeological investigation of the place. And after this investigation, I guess this finding was so legit that the government of the time um, bought the farm so that they could keep it as uh, a treasure for the nation. And I find that so interesting because this happened in 1933, right? Well, the finding happened in 1932, on the last day of 1932, which would be uh, the 31st of December, I believe. And um, therefore, uh, 1993. 1933 this would be (laughs) when all of this did I say 1993 earlier on I'm sorry if I said 1993 I am so sorry what I meant was 1933 right in 1933 so this is when the hoo-ha around this finding would have happened and this hoo-ha being the university going to go check it out and the government then um buying uh the place and i i i I said that i find this interesting because at the time this was a colonial government this was a a government that it was just before the apartheid government because apartheid started in 1948 so this would be around colonization and so you know the colonial government didn't think much of uh of, of uh, African culture or, or African history so for them to go ahead and say we're gonna preserve this 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 finding we're gonna preserve this culture I've, I find it quite interesting that is very, very interesting um I've also read that there was controversy around this because when they were digging this up um it is said that, the 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 people the the farmers the university and the and i suppose the government i don't know but big name that comes up in this controversy is the in the pretoria university and it is said that they thought that they were digging up this alien (laughs) civilization or they were digging up this superior race I think maybe they believed that it had something to do with them and then as they continued digging and finding out that oh actually we are digging up an ancient African civilization which therefore um, nullifies everything that we've said about African people, which would be that they are lazy, that they are primitive, that they've ne- done nothing significant in, in, in history, in the history of humanity and civilization, that they are uncivilized. So when they realize that, oh, actually, we are digging up something that nullifies these lies that we've told, these myths that we've told about um african people and it actually is an empowered powering tale for the african people they hid that information so what they did as before they realized that this is actually an african civilization is they would report their findings publicly right so they would report them in 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 newspapers And um, report them to the public so the public could be updated on what's happening there. And then when they found out that this place is actually a place that tells the story of black people and their magnificence, um, then they stopped publishing their findings in in, in, in the newspapers. So yeah so but still even regardless of this controversy i still find it interesting that even though they had later on discovered that oh actually we are learning more about ancient african people they still continued preserving that place and 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 keeping it as something that is precious to the government yeah just a thought um just a thought but this finding was also significant not only for south africans and the government of the time but also internationally it was reported internationally i read somewhere that uh, a london newspaper reported about this finding at mapungubwe said it was a big big deal um so that's 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 the the big story about mapungubwe um it is believed that Mapungubwe is a is an iron age community settlement. Um I just believe that it was a flourishing iron age trading center. Ooh. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> um so and and how they know that it is an iron age place um is because um you know, of the evidence that they left there, the evidence that was found there um, is characteristic of evidence of is characteristic of Iron Age evidence that they found in other parts of the world, and these characteristics are fragments of pottery and other items such as bones. And as I mentioned earlier, these were... um one of the findings these were the findings that were found on the hill at the time and so what does an iron age community settlement mean what does iron age mean right because you know when you hear some people talk about history you hear them talk about the stone ages the ice age the iron age what does that all mean <laughs> well in the case of the iron age um, it is the age when first of all it replaces the stone age and second of all the iron age means that it is the age when they were able to melt iron and work it into whatever forms that they needed it to be. Um, so in this case, they would melt iron and manipulate it into forms of civilization or tools of civilizations, whether that be bangles or weapons or farming tools. So how the Iron Age is different from the Stone Age, which is the age that it replaces that the stone age was the age when the human race or when man um started using stone as tools (laughs) so when they were using stones as weapons or stones to either um start fire or stones to um to cut the skin of an of an animal off of its meat so that it could eat the meat right of the animal so that's the difference between the stone age and the iron age which is what the iron age replaces so um, with this improvement in, in, in iron being able to be used as a tool Right, as a tool of civilization, um, came improvements, and in this case, it, it was an improvement in how people lived. Whereas in the stone ages, people were just moving around because you know they were hunting, uh, they were, they were eating whatever they could find. They had to literally go out and find food so there was a constant moving around and following the animals following where the land is fertile uh so in cases of fruits and vegetables i don't know if there were vegetables at the time i'm not sure (laughs) but you know it was was more about picking and pink picking fruits and plants and hunting right so those 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 communities were not settled or those uh, groups of people were not settled there was this constant moving right whereas with the iron age now that they had much more stronger tools because that's what iron is it's a much more stronger tool the the people could be much more settled right they there was improvements in agriculture so they could produce food instead of hunt for food right so they could farm food plant seeds um dig deeper into the soil right um uh and and with improvements in this agriculture in this food production that means uh the populations increased right because they were settled um and also they could um they could um, domesticate animals, right? And in this case, the domesticated animals such as sheep, goats, uh, cows, right? Um, and uh, and that's what the economies co- consisted of, right? Um, so that's the difference between the Iron Age and the stone age, and the iron age therefore was an age of stability, right, this is an age where uh, because people are settled, they're comfortable, they could get creative, right, they could start now, um, there's a quote here that I have that says, people learned h- how to spin and weave fibers into cloth, to twist and plate ropes and there was a greater reliance than before on domestic livestock as a s- source of meat and the vessels the pottery that they that they discovered at Mapunguwe is um the 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 the, the impressions left in the pottery shows that um the people they practiced farming right the impressions impressions of the grains that were stored in this pottery and by impressions i mean marks right like uh you know when you like scratch something (laughs) i don't know Or for example cement right when you step into wet cement your foot the imprint of your foot stays in in that cement for as long as that cement exists, right? And so in this case, those impressions were the impressions of the grains that they stored in these um, potteries that they used. So that's the significance of Mapungubwe, And when you go visit Mapunguwe, there's also this place there. Uh, before, if you're going to take the heritage tour at Mapunguwe, um, before they take you up the hill, where all these discoveries were made, uh, they they take you down to this pit. And at this pit, it shows these layers there, these layers of time, right? that shows the time and the length of the length of how long this the, this this group of people existed on that land. and you can see pottery, you can see bones, you can see, you know you can see these different things that shows the the progressiveness of these people. Um, so Mapunguba is significant to me because it really breaks the myths that I grew up with as a young girl. Now it's different. I so wish I sometimes I envy the people the 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 children that are growing up at this time or that are being born at this time where afrocentrism is such a a big thing afrocentrism pan africanism and decolonization is such a, a big discourse in our country and i think in many parts of the world especially in the african diaspora Um, I I envy those children that are being born at this time where people are are woke, for lack of a better word, or they're more conscious about themselves as African and they take pride in being African, whereas in my time, that was not the case. And if you're wondering, how old is this person that I'm listening to? currently at this time I am 29 years old and I'm gonna turn 30 at the end or towards the end of the year so <laughs> I've <uplifting>. lived <laughs> so I I grew up in the 90s so the 90s was the time just when apartheid uh, uh, was ending I was born in 1992 so this was this transitional period from apartheid to democracy so it was after the time when Nelson Mandela was released from prison and so there was the negotiations happening and um, so 1992 that was when I was born and so the later parts of the 90s I was a toddler and then 1999 and that's when I started primary school and then in the 2000s I was a teenager <laughs> uh yeah 2006 uh to 2010 those are my teen years I was in high school and so yeah this was just before uh 2015 which was um when fees must fall happen and fees must fall is when this conversation that i think it was already there but then it became a national thing right uh because it stopped well it stopped universities you know students wouldn't go to class unless because they were demanding a decolonized um education or a decolonized curriculum and um so I'm thinking that those conversations were really happening in 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 corridors, or amongst friends, or in homes, but 2015 that was the shift, um, for us. And 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 at the time that I grew up, before that shift happened, that Afrocentrism, that pride in Africanness, was not there. And so I grew up feeling inferior about being an African girl. I even grew up feeling inferior about being pedi, right? Because, all right, so let's say, yeah, whiteness was superior, but then there were also these hierarchy in African cultures. Like first the Zulus would be praised because of Shaka Zulu and the great nation that he had built. You know, when we when many people and I think this is still true right for internationals when they think of South Africa they think about the Zulus and Shaka Zulu and the warrior nation or army that he built right and following that it would be the Kosas right and this is the the culture or the 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 nation or the group of people that you know are our anti-apartheid political leaders come from, many of them come from, which the likes of Nelson Mandela, his Xhosa, um, the likes of, uh, I think Steve Pico was also Xhosa, uh, there were many, <sighs> right now at the top of my head, Winnie Mandela was also Cosa. so, you know, these groups of people were held in High esteem, right? and then following these groups of people, then <laughs> it was the rest of the people. I mean also even to this day, people still make jokes about betty people because of our our accent uh though the the way we speak, and some women will even make jokes about how they wouldn't date uh a betty man because sorry, I just need to blow my nose a bit. Ah, oh, okay. So, some women would say that they wouldn't date a Betty men just because of how they talk. They wouldn't take them seriously. So, such kind of s- sentiment, right, that might still exist today. It existed a lot back at that time. And so, I saw myself in an inferior race. So, first of all, I was a black person. And then, secondly, I was Betty. <laughs> right so it didn't seem like there was anything significant about who I am my identity did not seem seem significant at all and so I felt very insecure about that but when I went to my Punguwe guys oh my Lord those chains those chains, were broken. Those chains fell off of me because Mapunguwe is in the Limpopo province and the Limpopo province is known for being a place where the pedis come from, where my people come from. Not only the pedis, also the vendors, the tongas. Um, I think also some Shona people also exist there. So, yeah, so to learn about this place that is associated with where I come from, with where my culture and my people, where my language comes from, it was such an empowering thing for me at the time. And it's so funny that it's at the time when fesmas for was happening, right? Because um, when I first visited, well, the only time I, I visited... Um, Mapunguwe until you know I haven't I still haven't gone back so this was my only time visiting Mapunguwe when I first visited it it was in 2015 December of 2015 and so I find it quite interesting that when this shift was happening um, I went to this place and at the time it had nothing to do with Fees must Fall it was just uh, something that my dad decided to do. Maybe he was paying attention to the conversation that was happening with Fizma's phone, so he decided to go to Mapungubwe. Well, for me, that was not the case. My dad just came to me and said "Hey, let's go on a trip through the country." And the first place we visited was Mapungubwe. And then for me, as I was visiting the place, I was like, "Whoa! Why don't I know about this? Why did it take me?" I had just turned 23 at the time. So why did it take 23 years for me to learn about this place, to learn about this history? Why wasn't I empowered earlier? And this is why I'm doing this podcast so that, you know, people like me can have access to information about such places that reveal so much about us and our history and that um that uh that uh challenge the notion that we are inferior we are lazy we have done nothing significant we are criminals and we are primitive and innovate and, and not innovative this is why i'm doing the podcast so that people can say no those are lies and they can confidently say that those are lies and have these places as evidence to substantiate them saying no to to, to, to accepting those lies as truths so yeah Mapunguwe really really did a lot for me at the time and I did not want to reveal this information about me but you know I'm just gonna go ahead and and be vulnerable with everybody at the time I was also going through depression and I was diagnosed in depression with depression in 2013 and um it was a deep struggle It's, it's only now that I feel like either I'm coming out of my depression or um I've managed it well but um 2015 was a very horrible time and at that time I was also going through a heartbreak and and so when I say that my punguwe literally broke the chains off of me I don't mean that lightly it really gave me hope because before my punguwe my mindset was ah why am I still alive uh there's nothing to live for. There's nothing to look forward to. I was just looking... The only thing that was that I was looking forward to is death. Like, I wasn't brave enough <laughs> to take my own life. But I just, like, my prayer was, oh, just take me away. Like, there's nothing for me on this earth. And then after my pungu, I was like, oh, no. I want to see more. I want to learn more. I want to know if there's more places like this. I there was just a lot of hope that i walked away with um from Mapunguwe. and so when i say that it really did a lot for me i don't say that lightly i i mean it i mean it because it really changed the rest of my life um it, it really eventually culminated into this podcast i can Go on praising Mapunguwe forever and ever and ever. <laughs> That's how much it means to me, guys. Oh, 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 oh.